Welcome back listeners to Storytime Anytime for You. As we near our annual Independence Day or July 4th holiday, we thought it would be fun to bring you Jacqueline Jewell's Unite or Die, How 13 States Became a Nation. Sit back and enjoy this story about our country. On September 3, 1783, the Treaty of Paris was signed, officially ending the American Revolution. Thirteen colonies had won their independence from England. A new country was born. Hooray! Freedom! cried Massachusetts. Now we can govern ourselves, said Maryland. Are we ready? asked Georgia. George Washington, the commander of the Continental Army, said goodbye to his troops and went back to his home, Mount Vernon, in Virginia. The new country was called the United States of America, but it was not united. Each state had its own leaders and its own government. The states were like 13 separate countries. New York asked, shouldn't someone be in charge? Pennsylvania responded, we just got rid of King George. We don't want anyone telling us what to do. New Hampshire said, I'll make my own decisions, thank you very much. Connecticut felt, we're on our own now. Massachusetts said, I know what's best for me. And Virginia asked, who am I, a Virginian or an American? Independence, that's what we fought for, said Delaware. I love being my own boss, said Rhode Island. The country operated under a document called the Articles of Confederation. This political system gave the national government very little power. Each state took care of its own business without interference or help from anyone. But being 13 independent states had its drawbacks. Without a strong national government, it wasn't easy for the states to trade with one another or with foreign countries. Massachusetts said, when I go to Rhode Island, they won't take my money. Well, Rhode Island responded, of course not. Your money's not is worthless here. Then how can we do business with each other? Asked Massachusetts. Speaking of business, I want to sell goods to Europe. Me too, said Maryland. So do I, said Georgia. Don't we need a treaty to trade? Who can negotiate for all of us? There was no one to settle disagreements over borders and trade. There was no one to provide help if a state was in trouble. New York asked, how can we decide once and for all who owns what? New Hampshire is trying to claim land that belongs to me. New Hampshire responded, not true. That land belongs to me. Massachusetts asked, you think you have problems? I have a rebellion on my hands. A man named Daniel Shays and his angry mob of farmers are threatening me. Can the government help? Sorry, said New Hampshire. You'll have to take care of Daniel Shays yourself. Whose ships have the right to sail on the Potomac River? Yours or mine, asked Virginia. Maybe it's time we sat down to talk about things, said Maryland. In September 1786, delegates from Pennsylvania, Delaware, Virginia, New Hampshire, and New York gathered in Annapolis, Maryland. They discussed the problems among the states and identified what had to be done. We're like a monster with 13 heads. I wouldn't go that far. We're more like a blind octopus with 13 arms. The Articles of Confederation make the national government helpless and hopeless. We need a government that works. 
but we only have five states represented here. What can we do? We can call another convention. We can ask everyone to come and help revise the Articles of Confederation. That's an excellent idea. Let's meet in Philadelphia in the same hall where the Declaration of Independence was signed. The convention began on May 25, 1787. Twelve states sent delegates. But not me, said Rhode Island. I don't want anything to do with this suspicious nonsense. There were 55 delegates in all, including some of the most brilliant minds in the country. James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, Roger Sherman, George Mason, George Washington, and Benjamin Franklin. Thomas Jefferson and John Adams were in Europe, however, serving as ambassadors. Make way for the Honorable Benjamin Franklin, Delaware declared, 81 years old and still full of style. New Jersey commented, look, he's being carried to the State House in a fancy sedan chair. How chic. South Carolina noticed, there's General George Washington. You know this meeting is important if he's here. Maryland responded, everyone admires the general. Let's put him in charge of this assembly. As president of the convention, George Washington sat in a beautiful carved chair. He had a front row seat for all the arguments. Delaware stated, I'm burning up in here. Can't we open a window? Pennsylvania said, we can't open the window. The flies will get in. Maryland asked, what about opening a door? I need some air. But South Carolina said the doors are locked. Remember, we all voted to keep our meeting secret. Doors were locked and guards were stationed outside. There were no meetings with the press. The delegates were serious about keeping their conversations private. I feel like a prisoner. There's a guard outside. Virginia said we better keep an eye on old Ben Franklin. He's got a loose tongue. And Georgia said, stop your complaining. Do you want the whole country to know we're changing the government? Virginia had an idea so different it would have to replace the Articles of Confederation rather than revise them. I am proud to propose the Virginia plan. It's a government with three branches, executive, legislative, and judicial. New York said, three branches? That's interesting. Tell us more. The executive branch will be headed by a president to carry out the laws, said Virginia. The legislative branch will have a Congress with two houses to make the laws, and the judicial branch will have a Supreme Court to settle disagreements. New Jersey said, I'm all for having a president. We can't go on being an octopus with all arms and no head. But what about a two-house legislator? Le legislature? Is that a good idea? Massachusetts commented, the British Parliament has two houses. Most of our states have two house legislatures. Absolutely, responded Virginia. With two houses, every law is voted on twice. The Virginia plan called for a new way of thinking. The states would have to give up some of their individual power in favor of a strong national government. The Virginia plan has real potential, thought Massachusetts. No, it doesn't, thought New Jersey. Did you see how the votes in Congress will be decided? 
Sure, the number of delegates would be based on population. What's wrong with that? asked Pennsylvania. Everything, responded Delaware. If you have more delegates, you'll have more votes than I do. But North Carolina thought, but you're not even half my size. Why should you have the same number of votes? This wasn't an easy idea to accept, especially for the small states like New Jersey and Delaware, who were afraid the big states would outvote them in Congress. The smaller states counterattacked by presenting the New Jersey plan. I propose a one-house Congress with where every state, no matter how small, has the same vote. We're not going to let you big states bully us. Without equal representation, my vote will be ignored. My citizens are just as important as yours. But the larger states responded, this country should be governed by the people. That means states with more people should have more say in Congress. Sounds reasonable to me. My ears hurt, said South Carolina. The big states and the small states argued for weeks. Delegates became discouraged. George Washington looked haggard, as if he were reliving the terrible days at Valley Forge. Virginia said, or asked, if we can't agree on anything, how can we stay one country? Georgia responded, but we could have even bigger problems if we break apart. And Pennsylvania wondered, will the United States of America survive? Fortunately, the Connecticut delegation came to the rescue. I have an idea. It better be a good one. The hot air in here is killing me, said South Carolina. Connecticut said, what about a Congress with two houses? Where have you been? The Virginia plan already calls for a two-house legislature. But think about it. With two houses, we can have two kinds of representation. It's a compromise, not a secret. The House of Representatives can be based on population. The Senate can have two delegates for every state. I get it. What? What do you get? Let me in on the secret. But it's not a secret. So every state, no matter how small, will have two votes in the Senate. But states with more people will have more delegates in the House of Representatives. Delaware said, I can live with that. And New York said, I can too. A major hurdle had been overcome. The delegates now had a framework for a new constitution. But there were still many other decisions to be made. New York asked, how long should the president's term in office be? And North Carolina, Carolina wondered, what should Congress be in charge of? And Maryland asked, can we get rid of the president if we have to? And Georgia wanted to know, what if Congress passes bad laws? How do we stop them? And Connecticut asked, what about power? Who will have the most, the president, the Congress, or the Supreme Court? Hold on, said New, Jer New Hampshire. If someone has too much power, we're right back where we're st we started, fighting tyranny. The powers among the executive, legislative, and judicial branches were carefully separated and balanced in the new Constitution. For instance, the president can veto a law passed by Congress. Congress can remove a president from office if he misbehaves. Only Congress, not the president, can declare war, and the judicial branch has the power to settle disagreements between the other branches. 
What about my state government? Said, asked New Hampshire. I won't sign this document if you take away all my power. Calm down. The Constitution will allow us to make laws to meet the local needs of our people, responded Georgia. But the Constitution will be the supreme law of the land, and we won't be allowed to pass a law that conflicts with, with it, stated Maryland. That's the whole point. The national government will finally be in charge. Are we sure this is the right thing, asked North Carolina. The delegates worried about many details of the new government. In the end, they realized that no document could be made perfect for all future generations. We need a way to make amendments to the Constitution to take care of problems that don't exist yet, suggested Pennsylvania. True, agreed Massachusetts, but if we all have to agree on each change, we could be in for big trouble. Because it would be nearly impossible to get unanimous approval for all changes, the Constitution says amendments become law if ratified, also known as formally accepted, by three-quarters of the states. Will every state have to ratify the Constitution? Rhode Island isn't even here. How can that happen? And that's why they discovered, determined that only three-fourths of the states had to ratify the final section of the Constitution, Article 7, says that the document would become law when nine out of the 13 states ratified it. So we're finished. Yep, said Delaware, it's time to get this ball rolling. Who will be the first to sign? George Washington, of course. On September 17, 1787, the United States Constitution was signed by representatives of 12 states. The ratification process was lengthy, but eventually all 13 states approved the Constitution, even Rhode Island. A new government was born, the United States of America, united at last and ready to govern ourselves. So all 13, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Connecticut, Massachusetts, New York, and New Hampshire were the first United States of America. Now, listen to our episode next week for some additional information that was included in this book. Until next time, please enjoy your July 4th holiday, and we look forward to sharing more with you in the future. Goodbye from Storytime Anytime for you.